Create, connect, communicate. Create, connect, communicate. Magical, enigmatical, gift of gab, super, super agile, story, story from the space man. Come well lit. <laughs> Getting some shots, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> you have a handsome model here, so <laughs> they better be good. Oh, there you go. See, go. Oh, you just missed it. He posed for you. <laughs> yeah, nice. like a politician. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Taiwanese politician look. Right. The, That's the young politician. Oh, right? yeah. the old Established one is, his oh, it's like thumbs that. up. Yeah. Okay. Can, <laughs> Right. <laughs> here we go. We'll just, uh, well, actually, I can just keep that up here. All right. So, hello, everyone. We are here in the Space Lab in Da'an, Taipei, with a very special guest today. We have Liam Fanning. Hi. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you very much for being here with us on a hot tuesday afternoon hot, very hot yeah it's not as hot as the last couple of days though that's not really a uh high bar you know what i mean like <laughs> or it is a high bar which is the problem i guess yeah <laughs> right it's like a low yeah <laughs> right that analogy didn't work very well yet. No, no, i'm not sure which right. one either but it's it's been hot it's not good yeah that's we know that exactly yeah. um yeah but it seems to be cooling down a little bit but not enough deceptively cool right exactly yeah. it's just enough that you feel comfortable and then it's gonna burn you yes exactly so liam fanning uh you are an american uh yes. living here in taiwan and the reason i got in contact with you is because you are the head honcho the president the ceo the mastermind the boss the yeah all those things yeah <laughs> the executive of taipei shorts yes right yes can you tell us a little bit about what taipei shorts is sure so taipei shorts is a theater project ongoing performance show that's been done this is we're working on the fifth one right now so this is my second time as the creative director or the producer like executive producer, I guess you could say, of the project. There were three before me that I was involved in in other ways, like as an actor or director or backstage stage management, but this is my time leading. It's a cool project because what it does is it takes locally based artists, like so Taiwan based artists, so directors, writers, actors, we put them all together to work on one project together. So this time we have eight different plays in both English and Mandarin to offer to audiences. Mm. And that'll be up in November. So it's just a cool way that like writers work on something, we give it to a director, all of whom are based here in Taiwan, and then we act it out and then perform it for an audience. So it just continually grows and evolves. And this will be the biggest one we've ever done. So I'm quite excited. Wow, that's awesome. So that's going to be this November. Yes, November okay. 11th. November 11th. Right, 11th through the 20th. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So there's six opportunities for you to see see the shows. Okay, so are they going to repeat every weekend? Yes, or? it'll be okay. the same shows each time. So all eight shows will perform each time. What time is it? Do we know that yet? Uh, I have to double check because there's been a little bit of back and forth. So I believe the one on... I believe they'll be like 7.30. We're ironing out those exact details on Friday and Saturday, either 
7 or 7.30. And then on Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, they'll be on at a matinee at 2. Um, and you said there are eight shows, English and Chinese. Yes. Yeah. Is this kind of split down the middle, half-half? Are they bilingual? or? So there are six shows that are in English and then two that are be performed in Mandarin. However, all of the shows are going to have subtitles, which are so translations mm. that are provided will project them onto the stage. So in real time, you'll be able to see like live surtitles. So they won't be below. So they're like mm. on top of. But mm. uh, the goal is so it, it's a bilingual experience. So even if the language that you're hearing isn't one of the other, they'll be accessible to both audiences. Nice. How has that been going? English theater in Taiwan. So. Ooh, that's a big question. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I think it's it's kind of a an ever-evolving thing. It ebbs and flows. Like, I've been here for about nearly five years. I'm almost up for my APRC. Mm. So I've seen a lot of change in my time. And so from what I've gathered from people here, it just continually evolves. There used to be a more established, like, theater company here that um, departed literally the week that I arrived. So mm. didn't really get to partake in that myself as much, but I have been lucky enough to work with some of the artists that worked with, uh, worked in that group and worked with the artist who ended up leaving Taiwan before or like right as I arrived. So it's kind of, so from there, it was kind of like ground zero for me because I had not interacted with anybody. So it was kind of liberating because I could work with lots of different people and workshop a lot of different things that way. And it's just been growing for me ever since then. But uh, it's an ongoing process. Like there's been people like people will thought, oh, years and years ago, this happened. And years and years ago, we did this kind of show. And so it's kind of cool to unearth that. But at the same time, it's also so there's like it's well trodden ground. But then at the mm. same time, I'm paving a new path in the same way. Right. So what was the inception, original inception of Taipei Shorts? Because you said this is the fifth season. Right. There was a theater company, I believe the official name was the Butterfly Effect Theater Company, very pretty well known. They had an online presence. So I knew about them before I moved here when I was doing my research before relocating here. Mm. And they had productions, they had this big company, they had their own space. And so I moved to Taiwan, I'm getting everything sorted out. I'm at work, like it's like my first week of work. I'm just getting used to my new schedule. I've only just found an apartment to live in. I've, living in a hotel at this point, And I see a message on Facebook that's like, oh, it's our official closing. Like we're officially announcing that we are <laughs> no longer gonna be operating. So I was like, what? So that theater just came to a conclusion. I think the main person leading it, Brooke Hall, left or, or was planning on leaving Taiwan. So in the aftermath of that, the community kind of came together and the show was started by John Brownlee, my predecessor in, in the role of the creative producer. So he kind of put it together and that was the first moment and then it's been evolving since then. So I was involved in that as an actor because mm. I just was looking for anything to do and uh, I just continued coming back and then they asked me after the third one to step on as the creative producer. So you started out just acting and being part of the set. Right, the right, performance. right. Yeah, so I, I was playing this... Uh, it was like a it was like a bar fight. I don't even know how to describe it. It was like the play was that the, it took place in like a bar and there was this miscommunication about somebody's identity and like she had to threaten me with a beer bottle. And so we bought like a prop beer bottle that would like break so that she could make like a, a weapon out of it. Right. But it was made of sugar. And as right. we just talked about, it's very hot in Taiwan. <laughs> so she would break it and it would be like a little tiny unthreatening piece of like <laughs> of sugar. sugar glass. Yeah. <laughs> so we had, we were like, Oh, I can't believe that your threat. Like it was all like very, uh, yeah. So it's it a was a good test of your acting skills. Right. It was a good time. It was very, <laughs> very clowny. Right. Yeah. 
Huh, so what is the connection between the butterfly and the Taipei Shorts? So the Butterfly Effect was the previous company mm. and then that closed. So then Taipei Shorts was just kind of like the community that was remaining in Taiwan at that time. I just see. needed to fill that void. Right, just something to rally behind and work together on something. They'd been doing productions up until that point. Like uh, I know that they did Anne Frank, like the Diary of Anne Frank is a play. They did a bunch of other things that would tour around Taiwan, but I wasn't there for that. So I don't know the full lineage of that. But there was a big community of people that were just looking for something to participate in, like a project to all chip in and work on. And they all had worked together before. Hmm. Um, and that's, I think, where it came out of. Because there was a big group of writers and directors, like people who had like sub-directed or, or directed their own shows and then actors too. So right. looking for something to pour their creative energy into. And that's, hmm. that's what it became. So Taipei Shorts was born right. at that time. Okay. So we mentioned at the outset that you are an American. Yes. And you also kind of alluded to the story of first landing in Taiwan. Yes. Uh, and also being excited about this, you know, theater in Taiwan. But then this theater group that you were looking forward to, yes. to yeah, kind of joining or, or checking out just pretty much left the day you, day well, you arrived. I mean, they must have known about it from before, but they right. didn't post, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a part of the inner circle, so they didn't right. tell me, like, oh, before you come, like, yeah. But it was it was just tough because I, I just graduated that year from university, so I got a degree in theater, much to the chagrin of my parents. So hmm. they, they were like, oh, it's so risky. And then on top of the risk of being a theater maker, I moved to another country. Mm -hmm. So that was also like another risk. And I didn't know the language at all. I didn't know, I didn't know anybody here. So I was like, well, I, I've got this, you know, this one saving grace is this theater company. I know that they produce shows in English and they, mm -hmm. they have tours and things like that. So I was really like, I'd sent them my resume and my headshot that I just gotten. And I was all ready to go. I was like, I got this, I got this. And then I didn't hear anything back, but I was like, you know, let me give them time. And I had to focus on, you know, logistics. And then I arrive and they are closed. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, a big, it was like, oh, my, are you kidding me? Like, uh, wow. yeah. Talk so, about taking a risk and uh, eating it. Yeah, yeah, that was like, <laughs> yeah, that was like I fell off of the monkey bars <laughs> on my face. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And so I tried to arrange a meeting with Brooke, the guy who's running the theater. So he mm. ended up getting another job in um, Austria, I think it was. So really, I'm, that's a great opportunity. So mm. of course, he's going to take it. So I saw in this post, they were like, we're selling a bunch of stuff. So I manufactured the opportunity to speak with him. So he gave me all this advice like, oh, you know, you know, keep moving forward and, you know, be creative and, you know, generic stuff like that. And I took the train to get there and I was just getting used to living in Taiwan. So the MRT was all the way down the red line and the theater space was not very near the actual MRT. Mm -hmm. So I walked all the way there. It was this, I was like, where are we? And you know, when you go, you, you haven't been somewhere before. It's like, it feels like I'm going forever. Where am I? Right, right. So I finally get there. We arrive. I have this nice, cool talk with him. He's a nice guy. He was like, oh, if I ever have any, you know, like I'll, I'll send people your way if they have any questions or something like that. I know that you're really into it. Hopefully you you can make something out of this. And he put me in contact with a bunch of other people, which was great. And then I ended up actually like, he was like, oh, and do you want any of this stuff? So some of the stuff was really nice. But then I was like, I can't say no. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course. it's like, I have to have that. Like, oh, of course I'm, I came here to, I, I just came here I, to pick oh, stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh yeah, definitely. Here you go. So I'm carrying this, like, I bought like a shelf from him and then this like big chandelier thing almost. Oh, my yeah. Goodness. I don't, I don't know why I took that. That was, <laughs> it, it was a lot like, and 
And so not only is it really far from the train, it starts pouring rain. So we're walking back with it. It's like me and I'm carrying this thing and we're on the train and all these people on the train are like uh, this soaking wet. Oh my goodness. These foreigners, what are they doing (laughs) here? Yeah. With a chandelier. Right. Yeah. Like a little full chandelier. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. So, no way, and that's like not long after arriving in Taiwan. Oh as well. yeah, like I you were pretty new to the country. Definitely, that was probably within because Brooke left really quickly. So he like he had to get started with his new life. So I think that was like within a month or two months of me, probably within the first month of me getting here. So on mm. on top of like just like jet lag, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even just like adjusting to the time difference and then the weather and like the language barrier. It's like, oh, and now I have to, you have oh, to you need to get a connect touch with this person and this person. And then you got to do this and get this done. And it, it was a whole awful lot. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. So can we go back to dig around in your kind of uh, roots as, sure. a, as a young handsome Liam. Ooh, yeah. My, my intern, by the way, just uh, Liam came into the studio and my intern called him, oh my God, you're so handsome. I know, I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah. So young, handsome Liam growing up, uh, was it in North Carolina? Virginia, actually. Oh, okay. So the border, the border, right above the border, right? I grew up in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the capital city, capital of the Confederacy. So mm, yeah, the, love yep. that, love that heritage. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on my resume. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> right. Um, so what about theater? Do you remember uh, your first inklings? Did you, you know, kind of come out of your mother's womb singing a song or? Um, no, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, because nobody in my, nobody in my family is into theater. I mean, I guess I could say my brother a little bit, but I wonder, he's my younger brother. So it's kind of like, well, I guess it's kind of me that started it, but mm-hmm. uh, my parents hate public speaking of any kind. Like, I don't know of anybody else in my family who's really drawn to that, but I've never really been like nervous about it. But mm. I, it wasn't something I was drawn to at an early age, I would say. But I also didn't really have a strong sense of direction, you know, like mm. it wasn't like I was drawn to it, but then I wasn't really drawn to anything. Mm. Um, I just kind of drifted and I knew I wanted to do something creative because STEM, like STEM fields wasn't for me. I wasn't really super into, like I was into the humanities, but not really like, I didn't want to be a historian, you know, or like uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, and I even took a, I took a drama class in middle school and I really just looked at it as an opportunity to be loud. That was mm-hmm. it. Like I really didn't like sink my teeth into it because it wasn't in my middle school. It was like in a classroom. So it really didn't have the same feeling of like, you know, the show with the lights and the costumes. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like we're standing and speaking in front of our classmates at our desks. Kind right. Of thing. So if I had tried out for something, I might have had something, but I, I didn't make that connection. But then I got to high school. And so I went to a high school that was like far away from where I lived or it was in the same like county. Right. But I didn't know anybody and everybody else in that high school coincidentally had known each other since elementary school. Mm. So it's like the high school was right here and literally next door was the elementary school where all those students or most of those students had gone. So I'm breaking into this new field that has like all these connections already. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like the first week and there was like auditions for the school play. I remember hearing it over the announcements, right? Right, like, the loudspeakers. Oh, right, exactly. So I'm listening to it and then I, I, something within me was like, you should just do that. Hmm. And yeah, like, I don't know where it came from, but I was just like, I just perked up and I heard it and I was like, 
maybe I'll try that. And I remember being like really nervous. Like I'm not a good auditioner. Like always, even now it gives me um, some anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Some nervousness and like that frenetic energy. Mm. So it was, cause I'd never done it before. It was like really intense. Like I all day was like shaking from how nervous I was, but I- Yeah, you have I, no idea what to expect. Right, I really, and I was like, do we need to prepare any? Like right, I, didn't, right. I, didn't, I did not prepare anything. Uh -huh. So I just came in and we, we read from the script. Like he just gave us copies of the script to read from. Do you remember what the script was? Uh, yeah, so the play that we did was called Moon Over Buffalo by Ken Ludwig, if I'm not mistaken. It's a comedy. It's okay. one of these like mistaken identity comedies where there's like all these doors on stage and somebody opens the door and they like just barely miss each other. It's mm -hmm. very, it's like that kind of like- uh, A little slapstick humor-ish kind of? Definitely, okay. yeah. So um, it was like, I had, I think I had four lines. And I, I was like obsessed. I was like, these lines, I got to get them. Yeah, right. So um, your chance to shine. Right. So with the audition, I, I'm sure I didn't do very well, but some, they were like, oh, you can join, but they made me the understudy. So mm. I came to every single rehearsal. I was there every single day, but I was only had four lines, mm. but something about just like, because the people that were there, they were all the seniors and they already had these strong connections with each other. And it was like a community that I could be part of, which I didn't have anywhere else in the school. So I think that was kind of my entry point. Mm. And then from there I realized like, oh, this is something I really, I really want to do, you know, mm. like speak up and have that connection with, cause I'd never had that moment of being on stage and everybody's like connecting with you in that way because even though it's like I'm talking and you're listening, it's still a connection because even if you don't like it's nonverbal communication, but we're communicating. Right. Right. And if I can get you where I want you or like I can feel that energy, I'm feeding off of that just like they're feeding off of me and it just awakens something in me. And so I since that moment of like auditioning, I've always just been in a show since then, hmm. like working on something or moving towards that, like literally just since that moment, it's been that's like when my my theater life began. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because that story, your kind of first foray into it was this nervousness right and then you also when you pass that audition you served in a understudy role mm. right so why didn't you give up right because you know some some might give up like if they didn't get like to yeah. be on the stage or whatever what do you think it was that made you kind of keep going with it i think well at first i didn't expect so i didn't go in expecting to get anything i think mm. when you come in with a big expectation expectations are everything. yeah so when you go in with an expectation of like i should be you know this I way should be a star right you're and you don't get it that would be you know a big blow but i wasn't mm. expecting anything i was expecting to have just done it to say i did it and then maybe it wouldn't turn into anything and i'd go back to being my directionless self but then they gave me a chance and i think from there it was it just blossomed you know mm. and then when you do have those expectations and like you still i think just something about it i just i'm drawn to that medium so after high school we're i'm applying for universities right mm. so i auditioned for the program because like it was you have to audition for the program at the school that i went to so i auditioned the first year and i actually didn't make it mm. my first try so I did a year without doing anything. Like I took a break. I was like, maybe it's not for me. Maybe it was just something I did in high school and mm -hmm. I have to find my direction now. But it kind of made me realize that it's not about winning anything or expectations. It's just something I'm just, I need to do, mm. right? Something within me is just like, this is how, this is how I express myself. I'm just made for, I'm just built for this, right? Mm. So it's like, in some form or fashion, it's always just gonna be part of my life. And mm. like, even when I wasn't in a show, I was like, performing, you know, in conversation, I felt myself like, oh, I miss, you know, 
having those kind of moments or um, so I, I'm just drawn to that. I think I think to me, it's I hate competition. So it's hmm. it's something beyond that, like, oh, I want to be better than other people or oh, I want to be the number one. It's just about being part of the, the story and being able to work through those things within myself and creatively solve problems and things like that, like that team working power dynamic kind of thing. That's mm. all what I'm into. You mentioned story, you know, kind of being into the story. How important is a story for you? I think it's an interesting question because plot necessarily doesn't need to be the whole thing, but the story, like people are always going to have, they see a person in front of them, they're going to have a story with it, right? right. So that I think is key mm-hmm. because if there's no people, then we're looking at a painting, you know, exactly. like, and I right. like paintings, but I'm not a painter, you know, right. <laughs> like, you know, like, so I think that we always have stories that we tell ourselves, tell each other, tell each other about ourselves. Like there's so many stories. And so it's that human connection that I think I'm really drawn to. So in that sense, I think the story is really important, mm. but it doesn't have to be limiting. Right. And right. I think because we're storytellers, we can change the story. Like, mm. is this story serving me? Is this story helping me? If it's not, then we can just change the story. Right. You, you know, that power and agency. Yeah, exactly. Like we can tell a new story. Right? right. So many, so much of our, I feel like our problems that we're with at like as a globe, as a community are based on these old stories. It's like, well, we've mm-hmm. always done it that way, but you don't have to make the same mistake because you spent a long time making it, you right. know, you don't have to keep making it. Talking about the, the heat, like climate change. Well, mm. we've always done it this way. Or like, <laughs> oh, well, if we did that, how will people make money? Well, mm. that's a story. Money's a story. Like mm-hmm. this piece of paper doesn't inherently have value. It's mm-hmm. what the value that we tell ourselves that, it, so we exactly. just tell a new story. Yep. Yep. Exactly. A new paradigm, a new belief. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then a new adventure and a new journey, right? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So how were those four years? So you studied at the University of... Oh, I studied at VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University. Virginia Commonwealth University. Yes, go Rams. Go Rams. Boom, yes. All right. And then you studied theater or what was the yeah, major? So I majored in theater. So the first year I didn't get in, so I was undeclared. But mm. then after I got in my... Se- so that year I auditioned again. So I entered the program as technically a sophomore. Mm. So my major was in theater and then I got a minor in political science. Okay, huh. What about political science? That seems to come from left field, but, um, and you, you hadn't mentioned that before, you know, you were saying, you know, you're not interested in, in these kind of uh, humanities or social sciences so much mm-hmm. when you were younger. Right. Um, why political science? I think it kind of is like how, I really into power dynamics and patterns mm. of behavior, which is something I got from theater. Like, cause with theater in order to, especially when there's like a big cast of people, it's not only about like, oh, I'm able to emote or I'm able to, um, you know, hit this gesture, do this dance move. It's about how you manage groups of people and how you can kind of communicate or get get somebody to do what you want them to do mm-hmm. without maybe like you have to do this, right? Mm-hmm. How you exert that power. And I think political science at its core is kind of about that, yeah. right? How people move, how people make decisions. And the older I get, the more I'm into it, right? So. Mm. It was like an awakening that I had because I got closer and closer to being able to vote. So I think that mm. like after after I was able to actually participate more, because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, it was like, oh, this is so boring because I have no I, I didn't see myself as having a stake in it. Mm. Right. Because I couldn't do anything to change it. So even if I was interested in something, it was like, well, I hope that it goes this way. You know, I hope I hope it happens. There's no agency in it. So I think once I was more of that, like experiential practical side, it was like, oh, this is so interesting. So that's where Mm. it came from. 
That's interesting. It seems like you are viewing the art of theater through kind of a political science lens in a lot of ways, and then also viewing the world, of course, through a political science lens as well in um, some ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how were those uh, four years in college and you know, do you have any uh, good memories or bad memories from that experience? I, it was crazy. Like <laughs> I, uh, nobody throws parties like theater kids throw parties. Like that's, um, that's oh, a really? wild. What are oh. theater kid parties like? So it's like, it's like the <laughs> worst. <laughs> what is it? Like, uh, we had like buckets of jungle juice, right? You would come into a party and there'd be like, and like, this is the stuff that my mom would use as like a laundry basket. I was like, oh, they're, <laughs> oh, oh it's full of like, blue liquid like unnaturally <laughs> colored blue liquid and you would have the worst hangover the next day because it's like a mix of all it's these like all this junk whatever they had yeah, right right so um it was like that there was all kinds of drugs like i got offered bumps and snorts and Ooh, i don't even know what college yeah but then so that <laughs> right and then at the same time people are singing show tunes <laughs> Right. So it's like, where am I? Right. Where are those show tunes coming from? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. People love to do that. Or, and then there'd be like bickering about casting it. Like, well, I should have gotten this part. Well, I should have gotten this part. And like, oh, the so and drama. so. Yeah. So the and so wasn't off the stage. Oh, no for way. sure. Yeah. That's, that's what we live for. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's 100 percent like that because theater part like theater kids in high school is like everybody has braces and you go to somebody's house and their mom is there with sprite and they're like like oh let's play on the piano and everyone's like ha 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 like reading cheetos and then you get to university and it's like it's like rah, 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 like that right so it was it was crazy and then there was also like grad students so people who had like been actors working on tour kind of thing mm. and then were like maybe you know coming to advance their career through like that kind of thing. But we would intermix with them too. Mm. So not only is it like young and stupid, it's also like experienced uh, debauchery. So experienced yeah. debauchery. Right. That's another yeah. level. Like global touring debauchery right. kind of things happening too. So <laughs> it was wild. So there was that. And just like, I remember I was, so I moved out my, it was like between my junior and senior year, I moved out on my own. And so I lived in this house with other non-theater kids but it was like, I was just trying to make ends meet to like pay rent and everything. I had like no money. And I was working at a fast food restaurant. And so they, they were undergoing a renovation for I think like three or four months or something. So I had no, I just moved out and then I suddenly had no paycheck. So I was mm. living off of, I had made, had some savings. Um, so I was able to pay rent with that, but very mm. little else. And I remember being, we were in a show. So I like, would have a rehearsal in the morning or it was like we would have classes and rehearsal and I'd just be like leave the house at 6 a.m. or something like that and not get home until like 11 p.m. every night and I was like starving like emaciated like just really really hungry so that was a crazy time like I started like hallucinating one time in practice and I was like Wait, oh yeah I was like I was having a hunger hallucination and I was like this is so cool I wish everybody was as committed to theater as me like I really made it into about yeah delusions of grandeur about it yeah you were so, tripping off an empty stomach right exactly yeah wow. so that was a crazy time and then so that's happening and there's so many people who are like 
hustling, right? Like mm. trying to make it work. And then you sit next to somebody and they're like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We ran out of like, uh, we ran out of chips at my house last night and I just didn't have a midnight snack. So, you know, like, <laughs> so I, I feel you, right? I can right. empathize. They can understand right, yes. the struggle right. so, of almost being homeless. Really? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I was steps away from being homeless for a while. So. Wow. Do you think at that time you would have run back home to your parents or it could have gotten no. ugly? I, yeah. I, I left because it was not, it was it already pretty. kind of not good for me to be there so mm. uh, I already kind of left and I I had this moment where I could have chosen to pause like mm. a lot of people like they wouldn't finish because maybe they were in the middle of that situation so they would choose to take get a little themselves. break right but then a lot of them just don't don't come back right and I knew that if I wanted to finish, you know, mm. it's important to me because I was the first one on my, in one side of my family to get a degree. Mm. So, and somebody said this to me, this was something that kept me going. I never looked at it this way, but somebody said, um, it was like, oh, once you get that, that's something that no one can ever take away from you. Mm. You know, you get, you get, you finish that, you accomplish that, like that outcome. That's like, there's so many things in my life that had been taken away from me. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's given to you, but just as like a bargaining chip, right? So that was something that I was like, I need to, I need to do this for myself, like fulfill this promise to myself. Mm, nice. So you made it and you graduated on time. Um, yes. And then, but how we kind of started out this story is that directly after graduating, you decided to go to Taiwan or was there something in between? So I, I decided before I graduated that we would move here. So, oh. um, yeah, so it was like the final year I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I, like I said, I was working at a fast food restaurant, so they up, ended up opening back up. And so I had mm. a source of income again, but I knew, and I, it's the U S so there's so much loan debt, student loan debt. Right. So I knew that I would have to just work to make payments on my student loan debt. And I realized like, I didn't really want to just stay where I was. Like there wouldn't be very, very much opportunity for me to make a living or build my resume where I was. So I could have moved to like, so Richmond is relatively close to DC. Mm. So I could have done that. I could have tried to move to one of these big cities like New York or LA mm -hmm. or Chicago, but I would have had to save for like a year, maybe two years to, in order to afford to make that move. But then I heard about Taiwan. So my partner is a Taiwan studies person, right? So mm -hmm. because he was also considering like lots of different options and we ended up that he would come here. And I was like, well, why don't I just go with him? You know, because mm. it's like, it's like, I'm already going to be paying back student loans, but here I can have like a job and it mm. wouldn't be like, I'd be able to do, have a job and then do theater like I was already doing, like mm. to support that kind of lifestyle. So I knew I would have to be making payments anyway. So I opted to move just to a new place and see what was going on. And luckily I did because I came mm. in 2018, right before COVID, mm -hmm. right? So like, oh, I'm just gonna stay for two years, you know, try to save some money. Cause that's what I would have been doing anyway in the US, like right. uh, working for two years and then moving to one of these cities to try to make it. Right. Um, so I was like, oh, well, I'll just move to this other place, save, probably make more money, live mm -hmm. a better life, mm -hmm. see the world, and then I'll move back. And then it was like, right as I was about to move, oh, I should look at airplane tickets. It was like a new virus is coming. Like, you know, same. <laughs> yep. Breaking yeah. news. Yeah, exactly. So uh, luckily I did stay here. Wow. Yeah, right. Wow, wow, wow. So you almost left. You were about to leave. Actually, I was. Yeah, I was. I was it. making uh, making arrangements to leave. Okay. Right. So I was like looking at like plane tickets and trying to look at like uh, opportunities, like look for look for jobs that I could like apply to ahead of time and then mm. try to get employed, like like the job that you have just to pay your bills kind of thing while you're mm. on auditions, right? Mm. So um, I was looking at that, and then COVID happened. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult thing about theater, right? Because if you make that move, as you are saying, you actually have to find a kind of other job. I mean, a job that's、yeah. not necessarily related to theater and then just hustle, right?、Exactly. Go on a bunch of auditions and hope something big lands. Right. Right. Because,、yeah. like, yeah, like I know a lot of people who, this is something that like professors would even tell you at school. And I know people who, who live this life and like power to you, you know? But it's like there are jobs like you're a waiter or you work at a coffee shop, and everybody who works there is an actor, right? So、yeah. they are basic, like the schedule's based around, like, oh, I have an audition that day. <laughs> and people are like, oh, that's so generous of those coffee shops to have that schedule. But it's like, no, you're working for nothing. <laughs> like, you're working for nothing. You're, you're like really trying to make it. And they're like, oh, we believe in you.、Mm-hmm. You know what? You can work six hours at like 4 a.m. in the morning.、Right. That's okay with the us. The graveyard shift. Yeah, we、right? got you. It's like, oh, yeah, you're so lucky to have us, kind of thing. So people really are out there hustling. They're really trying to make it work. So I was just bracing myself for that type of lifestyle and was hoping that I would have some of the savings to bring with me to cushion it, right?、Mm-hmm. And then COVID happened. Yeah. And like, I mean, maybe it's because I was looking more intensely, but it seemed like theater was like the first thing to go. Yeah. So people that like, timing. right.、Mm-hmm. And so my classmates or people who I like had connections with so I could see via social media、mm-hmm. or, or other connections were like, They're just starting、struggling. to make it, right?、Mm. They're like, oh, we're just booking gigs, or I was on a commercial, or something like that. And then COVID happened, and then all of that hard work over two years had just dried up. It's just dead. There's、right? nothing there. Even people who are on like Broadway tours, right? They made it, like they really, they really made, it, made it, right? So, like, that's the, that's the ultimate goal that we're like、mm-hmm. put towards. They made it, and then they didn't even get to go. Because it was just closed and they have no job security, no like employment insurance or anything like that. They were just like, sorry. You know, like they, they moved their lives. I knew people that like moved to a new city, got a lease on an apartment, and before they even got their first paycheck, their whole gig was just canceled. Right. So they、oh, have to just move cross country back. Like, imagine that I would feel so miserable to like have to admit defeat like that, even for, and like, that's a really tough thing to do. So, yeah, knocking on your parents' doors and saying, right, I, I'm back. Right. <laughs> I missed you guys. Yeah. <laughs> It's gone 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. That's just, a different 15 minutes of fame. Right. right. It just sucks. <laughs> so, I, I was、oh, man. very lucky to not have to deal with that. Hmm. So, what were your kind of top destinations at that time? You know, obviously New York is a huge one, but were there other cities that you were kind of eyeing? LA, Chicago, or De- Chicago, definitely. So,、okay. LA, I, I had been to LA to visit. It's really pretty there.、Um, the weather's amazing, like lots of cool history, but at the same time, it's so much like. A big thing about it is very car dependent, and、mm. I, hate, I hate driving.、Mm. So I would have had to like get a car. Like, that was another expense that I would have had to like pay for a car、yeah. or some, figure something around that. And it's just so, it's very film focused there.、Mm. And I, I would have liked to break into film, but I didn't know if, like, I, I didn't have a lot of the background in that.、Mm. So、um, I was looking at New York because I'd been there a few times, but like as a tourist,、mm. and Chicago because that has more of a live comedy or improv、exactly. scene. Yeah, which is my, that's my bread and butter s improv.、Mm. So that's really what I was trying to do, like see if I could get into one of these groups like、uh, Groundlings or Second City or、mm. something like one of these groups and then like get picked up for like as a TV writer or like Saturday Night Live or something like that. That was really, that was my game plan, right?、Mm. Graduate school, okay, five year plan, move to Chicago, get on Saturday Night Live. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, just checklist things,、right. you know. Very, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was really what I was, and that was where I was probably going to go 
if I had left Taiwan, that's that would have been my destination. I Chicago. see. Chicago was the the dream. Yes. Okay. So, what is improv for people who might not understand what improv is? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, the corporate answer is improv is improv is a highly refined system of observing, connecting, and responding. Oh wow! Yes. That oh was yeah. Good. You yes. got that one. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> Um, improv is basically, it's a form of theater performance that doesn't rely on a script. So you get a suggestion from the audience, something to inspire ideas. You build up ideas together, typically with a team. It's much better, I think, in a team. It's very difficult to do improv on your own. I've mm. seen people do it before, and it's mm. power to them again, but it's, it's really tough. How does that work? Like, just call and response with the audience? Or no, you I've have to do it without... I've seen a few different ways. It's almost like they're doing... It's like a dialogue, but only one way. So, like, the goal is... It's like, oh, I'm talking to you, but then... Like, you kind of have to imagine who you're talking to. Right, or? you're a mat... And the audience is supposed to imagine the right. other. So, like, through your lines, you're supposed to get what the other person is saying. So, really tough. Like, if you do it well, it's, like, really... It's like, oh, that's really impressive because it's so hard. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah, it's tough. I've huh. seen it done, I think, three times effectively and the rest not. And you've seen a pretty brilliant one. Yeah, I think so. I, really? There's one that I specifically remember and it was like she she came out on stage. There was like a window on the stage and it was like she had a full conversation with three different neighbors. And it oh, was because damn. because it was so good, I could tell like it wasn't being said, but you could like you knew what was being said to her yeah, from her like reactions. It was really, really good. Wow. Yeah, right? So it's that like audience back and forth that I'm so into. That's why I like it so much. It's not based on a script. You usually get a suggestion from the audience. Mm -hmm. and then you put together just a story, right? So it can be a story. It can be a portrait. It can be a game. A lot of times like it can be based on games that the audience knows about. So sometimes like, oh, every time somebody shouts out this thing, we have to do something like mm -hmm. people can say sing it and you just have to break into a song like in a movie musical, right? Mm -hmm. Or... Sometimes there's this game called forward reverse where it's like, okay, do the same scene backwards, right? You have to just keep moving forward and backward in time. Hmm. Yeah, there's lots of different ways that you can do it. So it's really flexible. It really can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, it sounds like you're kind of answering what I was thinking of asking you is that, you know, even though it's improvisation, right? By definition, you're not supposed to know and you just kind of go off the cuff, right? But is there some kind of like madness, uh, method to the madness? Madness to the method? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Madness <laughs> to the method. Yeah, exactly. Are there some things that you can kind of practice or do you think that you can actually train to become a great improv person? or do you think that's something innate that certain personalities you know will be better at that i think so i i'm a firm believer that it's it is something you can learn and i think that everybody can learn some things from it and so the innate part we all come in with a lot of innate characteristics that we might already have or like predispositions to stuff mm. so that could be helpful in some situations but it's like even so even somebody who on like their first try might seem really really good like beginner's luck and like oh you're a natural that doesn't that doesn't preclude them from having some struggle, right? There's mm. always something that you can learn and there's so many different, it can be so many things that you can't be everything, right? Mm. So the things that we practice, right, in a rehearsal or something would be more like strategies. So we don't know, like the story that we tell isn't the same, but the way that we tell it, right? Mm. So we focus on things like teamwork or listening or being able to intuit what other people are getting at as quickly as possible, right? Mm. So building those strong connections or power dynamics, right? So mm. all of those things, when you get them really good or you're working with a group of people that you know really well, like if I know I'm working with two other people and I know this person's really good at this and this person is not so good at this part, I'm gonna you know set them up or endow them to be this type of thing. I know that they're they're going to be successful at mm. and in return i hope that they'll take care of me in that way too like they'll see what i'm 
my strengths are and maybe what I need help with and they'll give me that support as I need it. So mm. since it is so fluid, it really gives you the opportunity to really set people up. And what's cool about improv is since everybody knows that it's made up, like dramatic irony, people love to see you fail. So if you <laughs> succeed, they're so happy for you. We did that together, right? Oh, I, yeah. true. But then right. if you fail, people are like, Oh, that's awesome. He failed. That's also yeah, awesome. Yeah, right. So oh, it's a win-win situation. It, but don't tell anybody, right? Because right. I don't want an oversupply of improvisers. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually never thought about that. But Oh, yeah. That's so true. They love it when you fail, right? <laughs> Especially when you make it like, oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, this person's going to do this thing that's like really difficult to do. Like they're going to have to remember all these things like off the top of their head, right? right. Or uh, they're going to have to do this like very difficult set of moves like really physically exhausting type mm. of thing right in front of you in one minute like they're going to do this huge thing people so that's a good strategy that yeah. sets you up for failure right because because then if you win awesome and if you lose awesome there's no way to yeah did you ever have like a huge failure or a moment where you just like walked off the stage or you couldn't handle it anymore or have you ever seen things like this before oh i've seen it a lot yeah mm. um with myself i think I think probably that audition that I did, the first audition that I did for the school program. So I really love theater, but I don't think I came from high school into university with the same level of like formal training. We kind of just would do shows. Mm. So we would do the show. I kind of got a sense for like what was expected and what like I had a sense of like what I wanted it to be and like the character, but we didn't talk about like you know, the actor prepares or like there's like books and written about the method and stuff like that. We didn't touch on any of that. Like mm. I think one time we did it, but it was almost like it was like what we would do in detention. You know, like this is that like that writing part that you're supposed to do as an actor, like the homework, essentially, mm. that was almost like a punishment or something like that. So if you were really not in boiling water with somebody else, you would just do it right. Mm. We would spend our cl like our class time. We would be like painting the set or getting costumes from the loft or like going through lines and like we would just be told what to do. And like sometimes we would have some more liberty, but it was really just kind of like we would do it. But there wasn't a lot of that structural stuff in place. So I came into my audition, like I just made a lot of mistakes, you know, like, and mm. it's mistakes that I think that are very, they're like, I guess you could say rookie mistakes. Like mm. it's like very easy to see like, oh, just don't do that, right? Like, so for example, like when you're auditioning for something, you don't want to have a very narrative piece. Like you don't want to be like, I don't want to be the narrator or I'm, I'm not telling you a story. I'm like, I'm the character reacting to some highly emotional thing. It's very hard to be so like. You have to show, not tell, basically. Exactly, right. right. Okay. So yeah, like the big moments that they play, like, you know, award shows like the Oscars, when they show like Meryl Streep's like award-winning performance in a movie, they don't show her being like, and once upon a time, right. they show her like crying or like, mm -hmm. I can't believe you would lead me that way. Or you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they show that moment. And that's, so you have to pick pieces. So it's about like selection, right? Um, mm. I also, I didn't have any type of like breathing or movement experience. Like I just, mm. I've just looked untrained. Mm. So I might've been like passionate. I might've been like really trying and earnest, but right. you know, it's it. so talent, right? You're talking about that innateness. Right. That innateness doesn't really do anything without proper mm. training, you know? That's interesting. I right. really feel that way about a lot of fields, but especially the arts, like anybody can be creative and the goal of creativity isn't to win something. Mm. But when you're being evaluated by that standard, like training stands out. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, when we see kind of a great performance on the stage or on the big screen, it looks like magic, right? But right. I think a lot of people don't realize how much discipline, dedication, or maybe just a lot of experience goes into yeah. getting to that. You got to make it look easy. Like, exactly. Yeah, you, you cultivate that. 
that sense of ease, like, and it's sort of like with modern art, like, well, my, you know, my 12 year old could have done that. Well, right. your 12 year old didn't do exactly. that, you know, like, <laughs> well, they didn't. So right. if they did, they'd be here in this museum, right? Exactly. So it's like, oh, you could have done that. Well, that means that it was so natural mm. that you, it feels like real life. And that's kind of the goal. Mm. And that's a method of, that's a manner of taste too. Like a hundred years ago, robust acting would have been like very, like you hit the pose and you hold the skull and Hamlet and like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, very so Shakespearean. exactly. So it's like what we, how we express ourselves changes and it's based on taste and the moment and training and, and all that stuff. So there's so much more at play than just what you see. What you see is just one day out of mm. maybe a hundred days or 200 days, something like that. Exactly. So what do you think people can learn from theater? Oh, so much. Yeah. Right. So uh, I really like to. So I'm really passionate about applied theater, applied improv. So bringing mm. those skills, those soft skills to mm. other places. So in that year that I spent uh, exiled from the theater world, I failed mm. this audition. Right. So I really had to reevaluate where I was going myself. And I think that there's just so much that theater people like people who just do theater and like only spend time with other theater people. We just take for granted. So those types of like communication, nonverbal communication, even when you're having like a uh, drama with somebody else, you are still there on stage with them. Like you and mm. I are in a conflict, right? Mm. But people outside of us, people don't know about this conflict. The audience doesn't know and the audience doesn't care. Mm. So it's kind of like being able to put aside those small petty squabbles and look at the greater good, like the greater project. That's an important skill. Being able to effectively communicate like, <laughs> A big thing that young actors will do is they'll like really feel it within themselves. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be really sad right now. So they make themselves feel really sad on the inside, but then you can't tell. Like, I just look like I'm just looking at you really intensely, but inside I'm really upset, but you can't tell. Hmm. So it's bringing what's on the inside, outside in a clear, expressive way, right? Hmm. So if you have a problem with communicating with your coworker, your coworker might be thinking a lot of things or feeling a lot of things, but if they never tell you, you can't expect the other person to just read your mind, right? right? And some people forget about that because it's uncomfortable. It's not It's not always easy. It's not, doesn't come naturally to some people. Mm -hmm. So communication, I think, is really pivotal, teamwork. And then confidence, like presence, right? Mm -hmm. What theater is bringing, what, uh, what a lot of people feel and just putting it on display. So if you are unsure, like that vulnerability is kind of part and parcel with the business. So being able to have that strength of being vulnerable in front of somebody mm. that can open the door to a new conversation, maybe a breakthrough in something that could have otherwise been like gridlock. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, maybe we can switch gears and go back to Taiwan uh, where we are now. Finally, you kind of made it to Taiwan. You spent two years here. You were about to go back and then COVID broke out. Like yes. uh, many of us who are still here yes. uh, probably have a COVID story and you've been here for another two years yeah, or so nearly right? three yeah yeah right okay so how is that going and uh how do you feel now are you getting to a another point where you are thinking of leaving taiwan and you know kind of chasing this dream of three years ago you know going to chicago perhaps or some other city or have your kind of priorities and angles changed so good question this is a question that i think a lot of, i'd like to ask a lot of people this question right. see like where do you stand but mm. uh I think that I'm, I, I think I'm here for a while now. So that's, that's mm. the short answer, right? So in that time, right, seeing all the, the precariousness of people who, you know, I looked up to or um, people who are my peers and that they made it, they were able to make mm. something of them, of their experience and then to be just dropped. 
Like, mm. I, I just don't want to put myself into that situation. And seeing is how the world reacted to COVID, like, it, that's not going to be the last time we go through something <laughs> like that, in my opinion. Yeah. I think... Uh, I mean, it's pretty precarious right now. Right. And yeah. we're... Yeah, it's like, Again. what, junior year of COVID? Yeah. yeah like, exactly. Yeah, right? We're about to get reelected. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Four more years. Yeah. Yep. So seeing how precarious it was this time, right? I, I don't know. I, I just don't want to open myself up to that kind of risk like to be that disposable like that it just doesn't really i don't really like that and here living here i've made so many connections i've really been able to come into my own i left the u.s with so much you know want and desire and like passion but i didn't have a lot of like street skills right mm. like being able to do anything and i had so much self-doubt and so here because it's like well if i don't do it it's not going to happen mm. it kind of just gave me the license to just grow and learn how to do something like what i can do now without even thinking about it is just miles ahead of what how i came right mm. so i'm very grateful to this place for having taught me those lessons mm. um the connections that i made here are really cool like I, I feel really part of the fabric of being part of the community here mm. and that's something i've realized is really important to me is having a community i was lucky enough in the u.s to have a strong sense of like my theater community. And so here I've been able to kind of put that together with some some people as well. And so mm. building that and the sustainability of that and then creating something so that if people like me come in the future, that they have a little bit more of a landing pad, right? Mm. Like I came in and as people were leaving. So that's, I think, something that I want to do is to create not like a legacy in that way, but just like something ongoing that has more longevity. Right. Um, I think we talked last time and that's something that you really want to do with Taipei Shorts, right? Yeah. Let's create that kind of platform. Right. I think that it like if that's new artists, new work, you know, and it's so hard to break in and like some of these people who we're working with are they haven't actually done this before. This is their first time doing it and we're taking a chance on them mm. and giving them an opportunity that other organizations or even art organizations might not give them. Hmm. And some people are, they put it down for a long time and then they've, you know, rediscovered it. And some people are, you know, veterans of, of this. So hmm. it's a great mix. And so I think that programs like this are important. I'd like to see more of them. And so I can't be like, well, I wish that there was more of these. And then um, I have the Just opportunity. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, that's that's not my style. Hmm. So uh yeah, I think that it's it's so cool, and I'm just so grateful to Taiwan. I've met so many amazing people who I wouldn't have met otherwise, and my whole, like, the structure of my brain is completely different, like, just mm. different different way of thinking, different way of seeing the world that I don't think I would have even touched if I hadn't left the U.S. Yeah, let me ask you that question specifically, which is, after living here for five years, and I think also last time we talked, you mentioned that uh, this kind of journey in Taiwan was your first time outside of the States. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. So being, you know, in a new country for the first time as well, um, and then being here for five years, how does it make you look at the U.S. in a different light? Ass backwards. Like, <laughs> can you define ass backwards just for us? Like uh, yeah, and I <laughs> would use, who I would use a very southern expression, ass backwards. Yeah. Ass backwards. Right. So, uh, <laughs> like, I used to, and I think a lot of Americans do this, like, now, like, outside looking in, it's, mm. uh, I looked at the U.S. as being, like, its own entity. Like, mm -hmm. the idea, like, I, because this wasn't the first, I thought, like, oh, I'll travel, you know, like, I want to see Europe, or I want to see Asia, right? So, I talked about maybe living outside of the U.S. just, like, as a big dream growing up, and people would be like, Oh, yeah. I mean, for a time, maybe you could like try. But like, why would you? <laughs> for a vacation. Right, exactly. <laughs> so people just really don't 
see that as a viable option of mm. like living abroad, like being, and then and then even people who come here, a lot of times they use the label expat, mm. which still like connects them to, it's like, well, I'm That's eventually true, gonna right. go back, right? Mm. I don't really identify with that because mm. I don't know what the, I mean, I've already, like I already planned to go back and mm -hmm. you know, the universe was like, oop, not a good idea. Like, yep, yep so, now. right. So uh, <laughs> I think a lot of times Americans specifically like to, like they look at the US as a bubble. Right, and they apply what works in the U.S. or what the expectations are in the U.S. to wherever they are. Mm. And I've noticed this too. Like a lot of Americans, like they assume that whatever they are, you are too. I was I was at the night market. I live near a night market, so I'm getting a juice. Right, I'm just in line, and some other foreigner comes up to me, and he's like, "Oh, like so, where are you from?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm from the U.S. I'm from Virginia." Like you know, small talk kind of questions. Mm. And he's like, "So he's like, so where do you go to school?" I was like, you don't know, I don't go to school. Like, yeah, like, You're so what? he is a student. He's mm. studying Chinese. It's like, how long have you been studying Chinese? I, I'm not in a Chinese, pro like I, I, <laughs> I have a whole other life than that. You don't know me, but, and, <laughs> exactly. and, and yeah, just Americans just tend to like anecdotally, uh, right. like wherever, because it's not just students. It'll be uh, like if somebody is like, they've just transferred for, you know, they work in a corporate job and they transfer mm. here. It's like, oh, how long, when, when did they transfer you? Right, right, Nobody right, right. Like I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they just project onto you mm. what, like, and when I tell people how long I've been here, like, oh yeah, I've been here for a while. It's like, oh yeah, you, oh yeah, about five years, five years, I've been here for six months. And you're like, <laughs> you said a while. Yeah, like right. people love to do that. So I think just that level of like, self-involvement is mm. very common among Americans. And so that's something I think I would have gotten wrapped up in, right? Mm. Like being, like making it, like that idea of you have to be successful in like defining success in this very narrow way. That's something I don't think I would have escaped if unless I had left. So mm. now I define success like just differently. Like I wanna, I wanna make something, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like, you know, I'm on Broadway and I'm, you know, like headlining for, so and so like it's not about the name it's about the work that you do and community that you build and the lessons you learn like you know all that cheesy shit that they say <laughs> in movies right exactly but I, yeah i drank the kool-aid yeah all right um so right now in your life you're not really missing the u.s it seems i mean i'm missing people but mm. it really what i would like is for people to come here right mm. that would be the ideal mm -hmm. situation i love having health insurance you know mm. like that's a what is that health insurance <laughs> yeah maybe you've heard of it yeah yeah i'm american too right so. yeah so having that kind of thing like just the access like people will people will complain right and people have a right to complain and want better for themselves but at the same time i'm like well Mm -hmm. I've had worse, right? Like right. I do explain to somebody what an insurance deductible was today, like a child. <laughs> I was like, oh, bless you. You don't need to bless your soul. Yeah, you right. don't need to know that. Exactly. Yeah, so you found a lot of, uh, a lot of good things here in yeah. Taiwan. What about the negatives? What bothers you about Taiwan? Or maybe we can even twist this in a, in a slightly positive way is where do you think Taiwan has room for, you know, development and growth? Yeah, I think I really don't like the bureaucracy. Mm. I think everybody hates mm -hmm. that, right? It's very common. Like I hate that people and like coming from this background of like communication, right? Everybody can benefit from better communication. Like <laughs> the left arm doesn't talk to the right arm. Like you'll be in an office or getting your, uh, 
tax return or something like that. You register at one desk and then you get the tax return at another desk. So I was like, oh, can you just help me get that? They were like, oh, no. no we you don't need do a number. You need to go downstairs and, and register and then come, and then come, right come back, back up. up and, and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you have to wave to yourself in the funhouse mirror. Like this is just a big, like I do theater. I put on shows, but that, 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 that is, was a that's a theater. travesty. Yeah, like <laughs> this is a story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's something a little bit ridiculous, but it's, you know, it's like, there's a good word for that. I'm probably going to say it wrong, but mafan like mm, that like yep, mafan, yep. it's like such a good word because it's like it's really not like at the end of the day i'm not going to be like i can't believe that they made me you know do this one extra step or right. go talk to the other person but it is in the moment it's quite annoying it's quite troublesome yeah, yeah so uh that's a big thing and i think uh in a similar way like people don't really think outside of the box sometimes mm. like they look at it the way that they they see what they see and they don't see what it could be Right. You see that a lot in the art scene. I mean, from my experience with like people will be. Yeah, I think that we need to branch out in terms of like language and theater. Right. Mm. So English speakers or English theater makers who are here because there are a bunch of people who make theater in English. Right. A lot of times they might be hesitant or even like just like, oh, I'm not like they're just completely uh, not interested in in branching out and seeing what there is in Mandarin, right? Mm. Or Taiwanese or Hakka, you know, right. all the other languages that are here too. Yep. So they stop like, oh, it's not in English, I'm not gonna go. I'm not mm. gonna be part of that. And Mandarin audiences are like that too. They'll see something in English and unless they're like, I wanna learn English, this is a learning opportunity for me, like something with an end goal yeah. or a product at 100%. the end, they're not interested in it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just a shame, you know, like there's so many, there's so much overlap that we could really explore and like, multidisciplinary kind of art could really take off. And it is in other places, but there's just some barriers or, or just boundaries that are just, to me, seem a little arbitrary. Mm. Like, why wouldn't we do that? You know, I, right. I wanna try to create something that's a little bit more interdependent instead right. of being, like, it's gotta be independent. It's gotta support itself and be sustainable. Mm. That's a good, that's a goal for me that I'm not like, it, it supports itself. I don't wanna be so burned out that I can't do it. So it's gotta be independent but I wouldn't want it to be just an island, mm -hmm. you know, if an island, part of an archipelago, you right. know, let's put right. it that way, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's something that we could, that's something that could be improved, I think. Mm. So how is the theater scene here in Taiwan from your perspective? It's, uh, it's so weird. It's, so, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. And like, not in the like Portland, Oregon kind of weird, like keep right. Portland that's weird. That's a pretty cool weird. Right. It's cool weird. But this one is just weird because it's like, oh, because there's so much like you could probably find a lot of what you're looking for. And you'll talk to people and it's like, oh, I want to see this. And then, you know, somebody who's like been here just a little bit longer than you is like, oh, they used to do that. Like, uh. and I was like, what? Like, it's just there's because and then Taiwan, especially for the foreigner community, is just so transient, right? People come and they go, and mm -hmm. so you'll hear about somebody, and it's like, oh, I never met them, but you know their whole story kind of mm. thing. So there's a lot of that, like, oh, when so-and-so lived here, and it's like, well, when, like, what's that on the timeline, you know? Right. It's kind of cool because you can, there's always a precedent for something, but mm. then at the same time, there's always something new so it's like, because hmm. time isn't real, people just kind of look at, it's like this bubble of time that you can just kind of do whatever you want. So there's so much happening. There's live shows, there's film, there's TV, there's, it's like scripted, unscripted. Then there's like 
clown or dance or movement kind of stuff too. So there's mm. just like a, so much that you could look for. It's all here. Like mm. you just have to look, know where to look and then you can just find it. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's the really cool thing. It might not be to the scale of something as like, you know, industrialized as like the Broadway scene or the, you know, Hollywood in LA or um, yeah, like these other, like there's not this big production to it, but it's here and people use it for lots of interesting things. Like there's a lot of like uh, politicized theater, or like avant-garde theater. That's kind of like, it's mm. got a message. Yeah. People are, people are very cognizant of the world around them and they use it to inspire their art, which I think is really cool. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking to that, what is like the most interesting or memorable kind of uh, performance art that you've seen here in Taiwan? Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind, maybe, maybe I'll, it'll help me spur something more substantive, but there's a big community of buskers here. Mm, buskers, buskers meaning street performers. Yes, street mm. performers, buskers, and they are really proud of themselves. They are mm. really self- uh, As they should be. Right, self-possessed. So there's this one particular performer, group of performers in Shima, in like night, night market area. Mm. And I remember I was here with my- sisters like they came to visit to like see me and we were walking around you know night market things and there's this huge circle in shiman like it's like there's so many people there and they are all kind of gearing towards this thing and they're playing the soundtrack of the movie the greatest showman and so uh it's like you know people are like doing the that big it's like the big metal cube that they spin around oh, yeah, of course. you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. yeah or like they're spinning plates like people have all these things and then the ringleader comes forward and he's got this like ball in his hand and I'm like oh what, what's he gonna do with that like is it gonna be a magic trick like you know like the rings that click together <laughs> right, you know right, like right. a dove flies out like I don't know so I'm like waiting and he it's like the music is building up it's like bum 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 and he just keeps coming to the audience with this ball in his hand and then he backs up and it's like oh and everyone's like oh and then he does it again and then and then the song is like bum 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 dun 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 like the crescendo yep. and then he's like and then he bows I was like, no, yeah. and, then, and then he came back. So I was like, oh, no, that's just a joke. He's got to be. He came back with the that donation was plate. I was, <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, put some put something in here. I was like that that you didn't even do a trick. Like I was like, but people tipped him. So I was like, I should get into this. <laughs> like That was that's like tantric theater, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, edging. You just, yeah, exactly. You right. just go to the very edge and then Give me your tip. I know, cold water, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a crazy one. Um, that's amazing, actually. Yeah, that right? takes some balls to... Literally, in his hand, right? <laughs> He's <laughs> just true. holding it, yeah. I was like, what is this going to be? So I think that, like... People are just free. That's what I, people are just free to be weird, you know? Like That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, good I for guess. them. So I think that that's really cool. I like... Um, I did a like kids theater is another thing because people look at it as like educational like mm, english language kids true, theater yeah that also is kind of a cool experience or it's like so odd to do kids theater like the mm. kind of things that you it's like a cartoon character right like you're just trying to emphasize these things but it's just kind of like if you're somebody's first experience watching theater a really kind of cool feeling like even if they're like a little kid and you're like playing a prince in a fairy tale right mm. just to the idea that it's like you're that's like oh i'll associate this with a positive memory i learned something this was fun maybe i spent time with friends or my family like just creates a cool memory so i think that's that was something really cool
Mm, right. So that's one of your jobs here, right? Is you teach. Yes. So yeah, do you have a lot of good experiences teaching theater through English or? So when I first arrived, I worked at I worked at Hess. I worked at a uh, a chain you did school. It. I did. Yeah, that was my first job. <laughs> I and I so I I'm a serial like long job haver. Like I don't quit jobs. I don't get fired. Like I'm you, a good employee. You're all in. Yeah. Like I'm I'm an earth sign. So I like mm. stability. And I you know even if something is like I don't really like how it's going, I prefer to be part of the solution instead of just leaving. Mm. So I stayed for a really long time, like longer than longer than anybody else. Uh, mm. There's only one other person who's there. Who's there before I I arrived and stay. He's still there today. So oh, wow. good for him. Um, that's a choice. Uh, but <laughs> because in that one, it's so corporate, right? It's mm. very prepackaged. So I would bring in stuff from theater just because of the person that I am. And they would be okay with it as long as it didn't interfere mm. with the Their objectives. It, right, exactly. So I would sometimes bring in some stuff, but it would be contingent on the fact that it was like pushing that corporate kind of language forward at my school. But I ended up, so we were performing at, we did an improv show and somebody in the audience was a teacher at another school, like a private school. They saw the show, they were like, that was so good. I really want my students to kind of learn to do something like that, right? Mm. So they invited, we were talking after the show and they invited me to do a class. So it turned into this, like a weekly class where I would like teach them drama skills. And then from there it evolved into being like, I coached them through, we did a play. So we performed a play on a, they rented a stage. So we did it and it was like, we did it for their parents. It was really fun. And so, I did that for, I think, two years while still working at uh, Bushiban. And then from there, they offered me a full-time job. Yeah, so now I teach I teach some literature. like So that it's a little bit more typical English class. Like It's not like focusing on like only phonics and like repetition. It's more like we read novels together. It's more about actual educational outcomes. Mm. So it's, it's like a real school. It's not like cram school. So it's just different muscles. But And then we do like a full theater program too. Hmm. So they're they're older those kids too, so they're able to handle a lot more. So hmm. we what we do is like we'll read a Shakespeare play, for example, and then we'll work together to like translate that into more modern language, hmm. and then they'll perform that because they wrote it. They'll they'll write they'll rewrite the Shakespearean script, and then we'll practice and perform that. So it's kind of like a holistic kind of view of the whole thing. So through that, I think it's a really cool opportunity to practice and learn English, but not only just like grammar and language, but skills, you know, like, right. yeah, like writing skills, literary skills, teamworking skills. They learn how to be leaders. Like there's, there's just a whole lot of good life lessons. So even if they leave and I don't know, I'm not seeing any uh, rising stars right in here. It's not like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's Macaulay Culkin, right? right. So, but, uh, <laughs> but I think that there's a lot of valuable things that they could learn from there. And so I hope that they'll take that with them, those applied skills. So whatever mm. field they end up going into, whatever their life takes them, I think that those are important things that anybody can benefit from. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about the education system or the education situation in Taiwan generally? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think that it's set up in a way that it's like meant to kind of take care of a lot of people. It fulfills a lot of social needs. Like there's always a school for people to go to. Mm. Um, it's not like the U S where things are like really underfunded. So there's like, there's definitely disparity, right? Mm. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that there's not, but it's not like, I don't think it's the same as the U S where it's like so segregated essentially. Right, right. And like where you, where your parents live, like where, you, where your houses really depend like that, that really just your zip code is your educational outcome. Right. So it's much, uh, it's not like that. 
um, which I think is great. And But I just think generally the way that learning is viewed, it's not so much about critical thinking. Mm-hmm. It's about memorization and information. And I think that that, I don't like chicken or egg, right? Right. Uh, but what that's what leads to that, like those boundaries being put up. Oh, you never thought to communicate with your, co- like the person who's sitting right next to you. They're in a different department, but you know, I- I'm in human resources. They're in marketing. We can't talk to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it just contributes to that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because people never like, oh, well, how can we be creative and overlap in some ways? How can we bring in all these other skills or, you know, live in the margins of these subjects, right? Mm-hmm. Multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. How, if, if that's never imbued into kids, mm-hmm. they're not going to grow up and think of challenging the system. They're going to try to stay inside the lines. Exactly. Right? So I think that's kind of the overall feeling that I have. It's like, I would say that a lot of the lessons are quite practical. So Mm -hmm. like math, for example, they teach math in a really interesting way, right? Like here's how you use it in real life, which I wasn't taught. It was very theoretical, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they won't, wouldn't look at like math and paintings, right? Like they're not going to look at a Leonardo da Vinci painting or like a Renaissance painting or even like, uh, yeah, they're not going to look at something and see the math that makes that work or mm. the math that's in biology, right? Like the mm. golden ratio, right? Yeah. They're, they're not going to isolate those kind of intersections, right? right. They're right. not going to examine that at all, which is just a shame, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a, a ripe opportunity for theater then, especially in English, to kind of serve as an outlet for those students, right? To kind of communicate emotionally or, or emote. I mean, right. get more in touch with their own emotions. Right. So, but I've heard, so this is anecdotal because I didn't, I didn't grow up here, right? But a lot of people's theater, the way, so they try to put theater into that system. Hmm. And so the way that they do it is like they have theater class or speech class. So it's you and all of your, you know, you're a teenager, you're hormonal, you're mm-hmm. really concerned about other people's opinion of you. Mm. They file you into the auditorium. They put a spotlight on and they're like, okay, get up, deliver your speech. Right. So imagine how traumatic that is. If you're like, if you're not self-selecting to do it, you get up, you deliver your thing. People either are merciful and just like politely clap for you, but you get no feedback Mm -hmm. or you get like, they laugh at you right? and not, they're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. And that's, that's the memory that people hold on to. So then public speaking, which is already just such a, people either really like it or they learn to like it is my, the way Mm. I say it, but they don't really like it to begin with. So if that's the way that you are introduced to it in that type of like, well, you have to do it this way and this way and this way, very, uh, memorization or um, you have to do it exactly the way that it's supposed to be done in this book, right? That lack of flexibility, it's just kind of, yeah, it kind of X's that out. So Mm. I see a big viable opportunity, but it doesn't really gel with the way that it's set up right now. The system. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I'm wondering how about the theater scene here in Taiwan then? Do you have any observations of that? Because, you know, we're, we're talking about the education system, maybe the culture as well, right? This kind of system that is very strong here. So how can good or extremely creative theater flourish from this kind of environment? Um, have you seen it? And where do you think it is now? I mean, do you think, you know, there's, it's still in its infancy? Do you think that there are pockets of brilliance and people pushing at those edges? Or what is your kind of take from your perspective? So I think that uh, in a system that is so, it's so stiff, right, or strict, I think that there, because of that, there's that's going to promote people who are really pushing the boundaries. That's mm-hmm. what they thrive on, right? So there's always going to be people who are pushing the envelope and who are, you know, different and walk to the beat of their own drum. And I've seen great work like the Taipei Fringe Festival is a great place to see stuff like that. They're opening the Taipei Performing Arts Center now. Um, mm, the one in Shirling by right. the night market. Yeah, right. It's cool to look yeah. at. Like it's very different, right? Yeah. 
I think that there's definitely people are aware of it. It does exist. Um, something I've noticed is that, and maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but mm. it's hard to find middle tier kind of theater or performing arts stuff. Like, so there'll be, you know, stand up comedy or open mic nights at a bar, right? Mm. And you see a lot of that. And then there's really high level, like the national theater, right? Mm -hmm. National concert hall, like that type of art. It's mm -hmm. like the two edges of the spectrum. But then finding something more in the middle that might be more accessible, like something mm -hmm. that you might go with that on a Friday night with friends after work, right? Exactly. Because like uh, there's so many film festivals here. True. Right. Yeah. I'm from Richmond, Virginia, which is actually a pretty, like there's a lot of film work happening there. So mm -hmm. I'm, I, there's film festivals do come there. Mm -hmm. But it's like there's more than that in Taipei. So there's so much, there's lots of film, lots of indie film that people are willing to go see, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's accessible. So it's not, you know, a bar, it's not a dive, but at the same time, it's not something that's like, oh, I have to pay like two to 3,000 up to 7,000 NT for a ticket for one night, mm -hmm. right? It's something that they could probably, you know, that and a dinner, right? It's a date. Mm -hmm. So I think that if theater, there are examples of that for sure, but I think that if people looked at theater as something like that, right? They, people love to see live shows, live music, movies. They like to go, um, people might do a seminar or like a, mm -hmm. authors might read a section of their book. Right. People are looking for something that's that like accessible tier mm -hmm. that's not going to break the bank. It's something to cool to do on a weeknight, right? Mm. Or, oh, it's Sunday and I'm just going to go to this coffee shop and hear this person speak. Or even like we saw with like the uh, Taiwan Stands with Ukraine. Mm, right. So people mm -hmm. maybe like a social cause that people will draw people in in that way and they'll mm. hear, go to a rally and hear somebody speak. People are looking for that. But I don't know if there are always options for people in theater mm. for them to go to. So and because there aren't opportunities, people don't challenge those kind of assumptions. Either they look at it as something really highfalutin that they can't. It's like, oh, well, that's I, I respect that, but I wouldn't it's not go accessible. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Or it's like oh, these foreigners are drunk and have a microphone, right? Mm, so, or, you know, mm. or even just like, oh, okay, I'm going to support my friend, but it's like not really like, it's like, oh, good for you, you tried, right? So, <laughs> and no sh no shade to any of those people, mm -hmm. but I think that there's room in the middle as well to kind of get both, you know, it can be more of a bell curve instead of just two extremes. Right. Yeah, and that's basically what you are doing here, right? In Taiwan with Taipei Shorts. That's the goal, yeah. Right, exactly. So... Yeah, it was interesting because you mentioned, you know, when you were thinking of going back to the States, but you'd seen a bunch of your kind of colleagues, your friends, your college classmates, for example, who were just kind of all losing jobs and yeah. whatnot. But even though Taiwan, Taipei has been rather insulated from all of this in a lot of ways because of this, you know, kind of island effect. But that, you know, notwithstanding, we, we still went through some, you know, some lockdowns and, yeah. and definitely a slowdown in the economy as well. Right. So I'm sure that must have been quite difficult for you as well, for Taipei Shorts oh, yeah. and for the, you know, the creative arts scene here in Taiwan. Like how how has COVID been? So um, we really escaped it for a while, right? When everybody mm -hmm. else was like really shutting down. So there was a, a period when it was like, like, it was like, you have to come see a show because it's the only place on earth that exactly, you can go see a show, right? right? Great for marketing. It's good marketing, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. But then when it came here, I was really disappointed in how, like in myself too, but like we were not prepared. 
Mm. You know, we had this whole head start to get in front of people and we really didn't use it to our full advantage, right? Mm. So uh, when the first lockdown happened, we do weekly open workshops for improv, right? That's a good way to get out and, you know, get people to come because maybe people don't want to see a show, but they were like, oh, I want to learn how to do that, right? It's a great way to interact with the community and build community. Mm. So we had to uh, transition to doing that via, I think we did it on Zoom. Yeah, so we tried we tried several different platforms and we ended up on Zoom. So that was a little bit tough at the beginning to kind of mm-hmm. adjust to that, right? We really take for granted that like in-person element, which we mm-hmm. no longer had. That kind of thing was tough. But from there, I realized like, so things like when you're first reading a script, right? That can all be done digitally. Mm-hmm. So there's some actual benefits of that. Like we, because before that, I really avoided any type of uh, like video call mm-hmm. kind of thing. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see it has a great level of utility. Mm. Right. Because when you're trying to organize a group of people and especially in Taiwan, for example, like Taipei, if you're not like none of us are being employed by this. Mm. Right. It's yeah. really a, an extracurricular. Yep. So a labor of love. Exactly. So if you're doing it that way, you can't really expect people to like reserve this time. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to balance all these schedules, it can be really helpful to have that tool. Right. Mm. So I think it really highlighted like, oh, we weren't ready. So I hope that we learn from that and that we can be ready in the future. But it's really given us a lot more option to be more flexible because when you're, yeah, like in this situation, you've, your theater has to be reactive. It's got to be flexible, right? Mm. It can't be, it's not going to be this like holy ceremonial ritualistic thing because it just hasn't gotten that yet. It's got to be rougher, resilient, and more into what people really need it to be at that moment. So mm. what we can what we can make and also what people are looking for, right? It's got to be viable and alive. So I think that COVID really showed the shortcomings of that, mm. but then also showed us like how we could be, because I mean, we're all living through COVID, so it's it's yeah. like stupid to ignore that, right? And we, we did a show where we had to wear masks. It became such an issue. Like it's not comfortable to perform in a mask, right? I think so. It's not, but- I mean, the, even for the audience watching that, right? It's yes. like, why are we here and watching? There, yes, and there was a show <laughs> where it was like, because the regulations in the city, specifically the city of Taipei, right? They didn't, it wasn't matching what was like, health experts were saying yeah it was just politics right yeah. people wanted it so like mm-hmm. mayor wanted to appear a certain way and mm-hmm. um so there was this moment when we the performers like the performers all had to wear masks but then the audience was it was at a bar so they were drinking they were eating so big portion of most of them didn't have masks on but we're watching the actors wear masks it was just this like this is a right similar. It's like this is theater. This is a show, that is a, right? Exactly. This is this is an act. Like this is so ridiculous. Yeah. But then I have to because if we don't, we could get in trouble. And right. like it is so. It's this legal gray area mm-hmm. because so it just creates this gray area that theater has always lived in. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I don't want to you know jeopardize anybody. Mm-hmm. So we had to follow the rules. But it's like I choose to be a rule follower just so we don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I can't. You know. They're free riders, people who just take their mask down and they don't put it back on. Mm-hmm. And even if you're like, if you don't mind, put your mask back on. They're like, oh yeah, 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 sure. And right. then they move a few minutes later. Pull it back down. Right, and I mean, I might do the same thing absentmindedly too. Mm-hmm. I'm not demonizing them for doing that, but it was just tough, right? And it's hard to explain to people because it's like, we're all rational people who are acting like I'm, I'm observing it as well and I see what you're talking about. It's not for any reason other than that's the rule. Yeah, right. right. So of course. That's a big thing. That happens a lot here. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we are ending.、Uh, I mean, we're coming up onto the end of July.、Mm. So, what kind of、uh, shows and other kind of things are up on the calendar? Are there some things coming up、yes. that we should be looking forward to? So, I'm part of the Formosa Improv Group, which is a bilingual improv group with English and Mandarin. We perform monthly at Two Three Comedy. So, we have a show. Two Three Comedy. Where is this? Comedy on Linsan Beilu. So,、okay. it's right near. It's quite near Zhongshan、mm. uh, MRT. So, it's、oh, what else is near there? I don't know if the top of my the、head. famous Linsen Beilu, right? Exactly. Yeah, this place used to be a brothel.、Mm-hmm. So, oh, really? Yeah, apparently. So,、um, we have a show there. It's an improv show. It's a murder mystery.、Mm. So that'll be really cool. So that's on August the the first Saturday of August, which I believe is August sixth. Okay. So at eight p.m. So that'll be really cool. So、mm. uh, you come, you let us know how we're going to murder somebody. So it's improv. So we don't know who who the murderer is. We just have to make it up as we go. Oh wow, cool. So, yeah, super cool. So、and、you guys encourage the audience to speak up, to yes, yell, right? To, yeah, yeah, for sure.、Mm. And then the following Saturday, same place, another group I'm in called Stage Fight, which is like a performance collective. We have a sketch show, thirty sixty. We do thirty sketches in sixty minutes. Our theme this month is adolescence, so it's all about puberty. Wow! Yep. So best time. Yep. The best and the worst of times. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's coming up, and then、uh, so those shows happen typically monthly,、mm. and then the big show that we're working on is Taipei Shorts, which is coming up in November.、Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be at Playground Theater, so it's right by Taipei One Hundred One. So it's called、mm. uh, Nanswen. Nanswen Jichang. Okay. So it's right by Taipei One Hundred One in Shinyi. It's right across the street, and there's this little park. Yes. Out there. Yeah, exactly.、Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. 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 It's right there. It's uh, it's right. If you saw uh, LPC, I love you. You're perfect now. Change, which was running there. Uh, it's the same location. So it's really awesome location. Great spot. It's right by Taipei One Hundred One. Hmm. Um, and we've got eight original shows for you. So、hmm. uh, it'll be super cool. Six in English, two in Mandarin, all subtitled and translated. So super fun. Thirty sketches in sixty minutes. Yes. Wow. So fast-paced. Definitely. Fun. Exciting.、Yes. Yeah. Very high energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And two languages. So yeah, it doesn't matter. You should go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, what do you think about the future of theater in Taiwan? Are you optimistic?、Uh, I guess you have to be. Yeah. But <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't get on here and tell people. Yeah. Exactly. That you think it's all going downhill. Give up. Exactly. There's no hope. It's over. Right. I think、uh, moving forward, I think the longer. So this is something kind of we were talking about the United States, right? So there's no safety net there.、Mm. But I feel like here the basics are covered. People can just try, you know.、Mm. And so it's like since there is this ability to make things happen. If you just stick around, people will make room for you, right?、Mm. Because so people aren't competing with you for like the bare necessities. There's not this level of,、uh, you know, competition or hatred of one another. We're all just here and trying to make it work. And I think people can see each other for what they're trying to do. So even if that's not somebody's thing, they can. Recognize and respect it, right?、Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a future because of that, or partly because of that reason, building off of it. And so as long as we maintain that community, right, we'll take care of each other and move forward. I think that there is definitely longevity here. There'll always be new ideas, new people coming in, and if we can just build on that, hopefully, in you know five, ten years time, we'll look back and say like, wow, like. We made it, and then it wouldn't be、mm. like, oh, I'm just pushing through this, you know, level of oblivion. You just keep going, you know, you、mm-hmm. keep going, and then eventually, hopefully, there'll be something that can kind of support itself—a community of people who are all invested. There's not this like one, oh, remember when so and so was here? It's like, 
oh, we're still here, you know, working on things together, keeping it growing, keeping it self-pollinating. So that's my goal moving forward. And I really do see a viable future with that. Mm. Because, I mean, if there's room, there's niches to go into, I think that there'll always be people who are willing to go in there. And that's that's who I'm here for. That's who I'm, I'm sticking around for. Hmm. Nice. That is a beautiful message. So we will end it on that. Beautiful. Um, and we will hope that uh, we can send some people your way to check out the shows yes, as well. Yes, please come. Yes. Can we say those dates again? So uh, it'll be August 6th, August 13th, both at 2-3 Comedy, and then November 11th, 12th, 13th, and then 18th, 19th, and 20th at Playground Theater Nanswan. Okay, and that's Taipei Shorts. Yes, Taipei Shorts. Right. Where can people find information about Taipei Shorts or about any of these uh, kind of theater groups? Sure. So if you want to fig the improv group, Formosa Improv Group, on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a line group, but it'd be hard to find that. Uh, Stage Fight on Instagram, Taiwan on Instagram, and then Stage Fight on uh, Facebook. And then Taipei Shorts is just at Taipei Shorts and Taipei Shorts on Facebook. So all of them are on social media. That way you can find them and you can follow me at at Liam F, Liam F, Liam F. At Liam F, Liam F, Liam F. It's also my email. Yes. All right. We got it. That was not a stutter. That yeah. was his email address. Yes. yes. So nice. You say it thrice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Beautiful. All right. So I just want to thank you very much for coming in here and for sharing your story about uh, Taiwan, about theater, about your love for all of these kind of things. And I think it's very inspirational. And I really hope that we can, you know, kind of help out and get people to appreciate the arts here. Yeah. Right. Thank you for having me. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Liam. Thank you. Yes, we are out. Bye-bye. Bye.